This is the School Success Podcast, a podcast for school leaders to learn from other school leaders what's working and what's not, and to get inspiration and encouragement, as well as strategies to grow school enrollment, connect with families, retain teachers, recruit teachers, and everything in between. You guys are heroes, and I cannot thank you enough for pouring into this next generation that's coming behind us. My goal is you will take at least one thing away from every episode that you can take back to your school to make it better than it is right now. Please enjoy the School Success Podcast. Hey, School Success Makers! Today, we're joined by my new friend Jennifer, who is the head of school at her Montessori school in the great city of Chicago, Illinois. We dive into all things Montessori and their school, and we have a blast doing it as always, so stay tuned and enjoy this next episode of the School Success Podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the School Success Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Slater. I'm joined by a new friend out of one of my favorite cities in the country, only because my favorite sports team is there, of course, out of Chicago, Jennifer Spikner, who is the head of school at the Montessori School in Chicago, which I'll let her share about the name and all their stuff that they're doing over there. But they're doing amazing stuff, and that's why I wanted her on the podcast and all the stuff they're doing over there. But I won't take any more thunder away from her. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to hear from you, but before we dive into your school, let's talk about, man, how long have you been in Chicago? What are some fun things you like to do in Chicago and, um, and all that? So I was born and raised in Evanston, right outside of Chicago, left for almost 30 years and just returned back here about a year and a half ago. And have to say, I love the food, I love the lake, and I love the sports here. Man, well, how about that pizza? You big pizza fan? Oh yeah, yeah. I I love I love pizza. I think Lumelnati's and Uno's are my favorite. Okay, my dad loves all those. My so my dad, uh, I know I'd mentioned to you originally from uh, Lake in the Hills, there outside Chicago, and he obviously introduced me to all that stuff, Chicago style pizza. And then his favorite was the. Um, there's two places. I think they're I think they're two separate places. One that makes Italian beef sandwiches. And I think Portillo's is one of the places. Portillo's and Al's. You got to love Al's Italian beef. Man, he's crazy about that. And tamales. I guess there's a place with tamales, if not that's the same place, but all about the food. And so... Yeah, lots of good food here. Well, that's awesome. And of course, sports teams. I know we haven't been great in recent years, but I know you and I connected on the diehard Bears fans. And I, I'm thinking, I say this every year, one day I'm going to be right. This is our year. Like One day I'm going to be right about it. Um, I'm excited about uh, Justin Fields and the team they got, and the new coach and GM. I'm stoked about them. So I have a, I have a good feeling, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I'd love, I'd love to bring back the Super Bowl shuffle. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And I wasn't, I, it's funny. I, I embrace that the 1986 year, even though I was negative six at that time, I wasn't even born yet. So I'm, but my, obviously my dad was around and so I embraced that the destroying of the Patriots in the eighties, but I digress. And one day I'd love to experience a real Super Bowl win instead of losing to the Colts like we did when I was a kid, but Oh, but okay. It's all right. I love Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning. But let's talk about your school. Let's uh, dive into what's your school called? How long have you been there? And a little bit about that. Sure. Our, our school is called the Montessori Academy of Chicago. We are downtown Chicago in the West Loop. I've just been here a year and a half. I've been in Montessori for over 20 years, but just joined 
Montessori Academy of Chicago in the middle of the pandemic. And here I am. How was that transition? So obviously, I know you guys had some strict guidelines during COVID there in Chicago. So coming in during the middle of the pandemic, what was that like? And where were you coming from and all of that? Yeah, so so I had been in Michigan for about 17 years at a Montessori school called Brookview and then moved to Utah where I was at a Montessori school in Salt Lake City called Elizabeth Academy. And when I joined Montessori Academy of Chicago in July of 2020, everything was completely locked down here. And so I moved here and we had completely separated classroom groups with all of the students being contained to their own pods. Uh, Everyone was wearing masks. Everyone was social distancing. A lot of increased sanitizing and mitigation strategies to keep everybody safe. And we've really maintained those strategies for the entire time I've been here. We are just now moving into next week, in fact, to a mask optional policy for the students. We are still gonna be wearing masks as teachers and we still aren't having outside folks come into the school, but but things are starting to relax here. After a long time, we're at about the two year mark, almost Man. to the week of when the pandemic started. Man, yeah, no, it's crazy. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad to hear everything's going good. and. Things are obviously starting to loosen up. I think that's that's great for everybody involved. I'm sure the kids are relieved and all that as we come out of this. Cra- I mean, literally just crazy last two years. So the school you're with, how long have you guys been around? I know you've only been there a year and a half, but how long has the school been there? And have they always been in the building there in downtown Chicago? Yeah, so it started out in another location for a short period of time and then moved into our current location. It's been in existence for 14 years. We are a fully accredited Montessori school. We're accredited by the American Montessori Society. And we serve kids from infancy, starting as early as six weeks old in our infant community through middle school. So our oldest kids are are 14 years old. We have about 250 children all together in our school. Okay. And I know it's not typically common for Montessori schools to have a high school program. And I know you guys don't have that. Is that something that the school is, it's ever in the playing cards to add on additional grades to just be a full all the way through high school school? That's unlikely, although we would take ninth graders. So in Montessori, children are generally in multi-age groups that are three-year cycles. So our middle school right now just serves seventh and eighth graders. And some Montessori schools have seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. So I could see doing that. We have a lot of wonderful high schools in the Chicago area. And so, so I don't see us expanding to high school anytime soon. Okay. Very good. Well, let's uh, let's dive into the school a little bit. We um, obviously some of the main questions I ask all the guests on the podcast. We go into challenges first. You know, every school, of course, has challenges. And as I mentioned to you, some of the main ones that come up, of course, uh, COVID, teacher retention and recruitment and enrollment, and um, the growing and hoping to get a waiting list for every school, that type of stuff. But uh, every school, of course, can have some different ones. So if you wanted to share, what are some of those challenges that you guys are kind of facing right now? Well, COVID definitely has been a big one. I think hopefully we're coming out of that, so I don't want to focus on that too much. Hiring has been tricky, I think, and that's something that we're seeing across the nation is is a national teacher shortage. A lot of teachers are retiring. I'm happy to say that we're not having a terrible time with retaining our teachers. We don't have a lot of turnover. I think 
job satisfaction when they survey teachers across the board. Montessori teachers often report that they have more job satisfaction than, than teachers in some traditional schools. At our school, we really work hard to treat our teachers really well, and so, so we don't have a lot of turnover. Retention's not the issue, but hiring new teachers and new assistants has been really challenging. It just doesn't seem like there are that many people out there. In, in fact, it amazes me. Sometimes we'll set up an interview with someone that seems promising according to their resume, and then and then they don't even show up for the interview. I don't know if other heads of school are experiencing that. That's been hard, hiring uh, people to fill open spots. For that process, where do you think the disconnect has been? Has it been people not knowing or wanting to adapt and learn the Montessori process and the, the education style? Is it people not wanting to move to Chicago? Where do you think maybe that disconnect is kind of popping up for you guys? I really think that, you know, I've talked to folks who work in colleges of education at a few universities, and fewer people are going into the field of education overall. And I know while a lot of people think that it's because teachers don't make a lot of money, I don't really think that's it. I think we have a lot of work to do in lifting the whole field of teaching as a profession, because in most of the world, teachers are really highly respected and highly regarded. And it's not like that here in the United States. I think, you know, we've had this myth of, you know, those who can do and those who can't teach terrible things like that. Or even the idea that, oh, go into teaching, it's the easy fallback thing to do, or you have the summers off. That's not why people go into teaching. People go into teaching because they love children, because they realize that it's one of the most important jobs that a person can do. And yet in our country and in our society, teaching is not respected the way that it is in the rest of the world. And I really believe that until we lift up the entire teaching profession, we're going to have a hard time attracting people to this industry. Where do you think that disconnect is happening then? Because that's a good point that I haven't heard you know brought up on the podcast yet. So is that coming from the top down? Is it something that's rooted in the history of America for like the teacher side of thing? Where do you kind of think that's rooted? Oh, I, th- that's a hard question. I think it might be coming from a few places. I definitely know I, I've, I've traveled and, and I've spent time in some other cultures And one of the differences that I see is the way that parents interact with teachers around the world. I think that in, you know, I've been in China and Mexico and Poland and done some Montessori teacher training there and and worked with parents in some of those countries. And, And parents really revere teachers within those cultures. In the United States, I think that there are some parents who are, really respect their children's teachers, and there are some that don't. There are some, some parents that, that are almost adversaries with their child's teacher, and I think that that's a problem. I think that, that it's important that parents support teachers and teachers support parents, and that teachers and parents see themselves as working in partnership in support of the child's education, and that, that just doesn't happen as often as I wish it would. Are you guys doing something at your school specifically to help connect parents better with the teachers? Is there something, I mean, obviously it sounds like that's obviously an important part for you guys. So what are you guys doing to, to help with that and connect the families and get them more involved? 
So we have a lot of ways of getting parents involved. Unfortunately, the pandemic has thrown a wrench into that because we haven't been able to have in-person events with teachers and parents together. But we've used Zoom in order to have parent education events, and we do parent-teacher conferences. Our teachers do check-ins with the parents to talk about their child. We try to offer a lot of different types of parent engagement because some parents like to get involved just at the classroom level other parents like to get involved at the whole school level and others i think for other parents just learning more about montessori education and having more of an understanding of the montessori philosophy and the way that their child is learning has been helpful for them to become partners with us love it i love it uh, any other challenges? Uh, obviously, you don't have to share. You know, if you're like, well, stop, Mitchell. We don't have that many challenges. We're kicking butt. <laughs> but any other challenges you want to share before we go on to some of the other questions? You know, I think one thing, and this, again, is pandemic-related. And again, this is national, not just not just at our school. But one of the things that I'm concerned about is attention issues. And I think that we're seeing a rise in the number of students that are having difficulty with attention I think it's tied to screen time. I think it's tied to children having less outdoor time, less time in nature. But that's one of the things that as I talk to teachers, not just at my school, but teachers around the country that I'm in touch with, more and more of us are seeing an increase in children having a hard time focusing and and paying attention and concentrating for extended periods of time. That's something that Montessori works a lot on. And so, you know, I feel confident that our method helps children to learn to concentrate. But again, it's one of those trends and challenges that I'm seeing happening really across the country. Well, we get to the best part of the podcast now, which I always tell you know the guests, this is your chance to brag about your school. I want to hear what's going awesome. The pieces you guys are in your pen, just like, you were kicking butt at this one. This is going great. So go ahead and brag about your school. What's going really good? Oh, one of the things that's going really well is the arts. We have a fantastic music teacher, a fantastic art teacher. We really bring the arts in and integrate it into the work that we're doing. So that's something I'm proud of. We recently painted a huge mural that the children were involved in painting a mural on the side of our school. So that's been exciting. And another thing that I'm proud of at our school is our social justice work. We've put together an inclusion council of teachers and administrators to make sure that we're examining everything that we do at the school through the lens of wanting to really be anti-bias and wanting to, to be thoughtful about decisions that we make through that lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're integrating social justice work into the curriculum. We just did did a play yesterday in our upper elementary class where, where the children acted out a city in in Nashville during 1960. So doing lots and lots of work to help the children really understand different aspects of both the history of social justice within our country and ways that they can help to make things better in that regard. Okay. And so adding that into the curriculum, are you guys having to make your own curriculum to do that? Are you able, or is there stuff out there as resources that you can buy to, to bring that into the school? So that's a combination of things. Uh, Social justice work is really a passion of mine, and I've developed some curriculum over the years. It's something I've spoken about at, at several conferences. 
and something that is just personally really important to me. But there are tons of resources out there as well. So Teaching Tolerance, actually they've recently changed their name to Learning for Justice, I believe. <laughs> they have great resources. There are a lot of a lot of websites and books and different places where, where we can pull things in and apply them. Uh, so we're, we're building it as we go, really taking other work from others and then also creating our own. Okay. All right. Well, I love it. Uh, what, what else? What, I, I know you guys, uh, obviously, right in Chicago, there's you know a ton of people. I guess this would be something if poke, I guess, a little bit. Um, you guys have 250 students, I think you, you said you mentioned, is you're in a huge city with millions of people or you know, however many people are in Chicago area. Is there a huge waiting list? Is that is it hard to, is the pandemic affected that? Or is that going really good where you're like, we have so many people wanting to get into our school and like we can't keep up with all of it? So we actually had to reduce our numbers because of the pandemic. When mm. the city put maximum caps on classroom sizes, we had to divide some of our classes. We had to take our lower elementary, for example, and split it into three smaller classes. And so we're just now at the point that we're building back up to where we were before the pandemic. We used to be 350 students. Uh, the pandemic forced us to reduce our numbers. And so now we're building back up. On Wednesdays, we do virtual coffee chats. And so I have an opportunity to meet with prospective parents and tell them about our school. And now we're going to start being able to do some in-person tours again, which is fantastic because we hadn't been letting people into our building for the past couple of years. And so, so I'm excited to do that. And I'm looking forward to building back up to where the school was before the pandemic. I, well, I love the name of the, the coffee chats. I do the same thing with my team internally. Once a month, we call it coffee talks. It's like, hey, you have your yeah. coffee talk with somebody from upper management to just go, you know, for us, we do it for what's, what's, how's it going? What do you need from us? How can we help you? So I, when you said a coffee thing, I was like, oh, I love that because that's the whole vision of it is we, we have it once a, once a month because we care about, you know, everybody on the team. So I love the name. There's one other thing I forgot to tell you about, one other exciting thing that we're doing, and that is we've developed a partnership with the Montessori School of Englewood, and we've done that by working with a local Chicago artist named Tanika Lewis-Johnson. She's getting to be pretty well-known because of the Folded Map Project, which is an art project in which she, she sort of imagines that if you took a map of the city of Chicago and folded it in half, that you would have addresses on one side of the city that would touch addresses on the other side of the city, and yet the life experiences of people in those two sides of the city are very different. Mm. And so we are doing what we're calling twin schools, and, and we've been matched up. And so our art teacher is collaborating with our art teacher over at the Montessori School of Englewood to have our students do the same art project and then communicate through video postcards back and forth about the art that we're creating. So that's been, that's a fun project that we're right in the middle of right now. And I'm exciting to, excited to see how this partnership develops. So I do, I do really love that. So you're connecting all these students through, I'm guessing with a video postcard, is that still through Zoom technically or how does that work? 
Actually, what we're doing is we're videotaping kids as they work on these art projects. They're building a 3D model of their neighborhoods. And so we have the two neighborhoods where the two different schools are located. And then we're going to put them together and connect the two by Ashland Avenue, which is the street that would go all the way between our two schools. And we're going to put it on display at a space where both schools would be able to come and visit. I think we're, we're looking at maybe using a space at the University of Illinois at Chicago to display the artwork when it's done. But what we're doing is videotaping the kids as they do their work, and then the middle school kids edit those into little videos that they then send over to the other school and the kids can watch them. So each school is able to see these little two-minute videos of what the other school is doing and and that gives them the the sense of seeing that they're doing the same project just uh, at the two different schools i do really like that how far away technically are each of those schools from from each other not that far but it's a world of difference it's it's maybe a 15 minute drive and yet yet the the west loop is west loop is really changing right now there's a ton of construction going on and and it's becoming expensive and more gentrified and englewood you know still has quite a bit of poverty and unfortunately has has a reputation for the crime there and yet the the residents that live there you know, they want people to be aware of the good parts of their neighborhood and, and what they have to offer. And the Montessori School of Englewood is a wonderful school with really, you know, fantastic kids and, and teachers. And so we're happy to partner with them in this way. Well, thank you for sharing about that. That is a really cool project, which I'm sure some other school leaders are like, whoa, it'd be cool to connect with other schools about doing something, whether it's in the arts or could be other things too. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. Uh, one of the questions that popped up in my head, which I thought, well, maybe this could have been a challenge, but you know, you can tell me, of course, it's what I'm thinking from the outside. So going from 350 students to 250 students, obviously a huge drop in, in tuition that's coming in, which obviously affects bills that got to be paid, teachers that got to be paid, all that stuff. Was there funds from the state of Illinois or the city of Chicago that helped with that when they said, hey, you suddenly can't have 100 kids coming, which, and then where did those kids go? Like suddenly going, oh, I can't go to my school anymore. Like, that sounds like a huge challenge for sure. But I'd love to share, like you to share some about how that, that went down. So first of all, a lot of the students that left were young students. Parents who were working at home decided to keep their children at home or get a nanny rather than having their young child in a school. Also, we had families that decided to leave the city altogether and go out into the suburbs when they were worried about being in such populated spaces. Some of our families have second homes in Michigan or Wisconsin, and they decided to work from there rather than working from their condo or apartment in the city. And so they decided to have their child you know, do remote school from, from somewhere in a less populated area. I do have to say we, we were really fortunate in being able to receive funding from the state of Illinois to support us during that time. We also had teachers that chose to leave who weren't comfortable coming into school and having that exposure 
during COVID. And so I'm very happy that we didn't have to fire teachers. We were able to, through natural attrition, reduce our workforce within our school. Now we're at the point that we're needing to build back up. We have contacted some of those teachers that left and and that really weren't comfortable coming in when the pandemic was at its worst. Some of them are coming back. Some of some of them are, are choosing to do other things. But really, you know, we were we were considered to be frontline workers, going to work each day and and being exposed to to children and families every day. And so that was scary for a lot of our teachers. And and some people chose not to continue to do that. Man, so now preparing for obviously we're already into March. You know, a few months left of school. Are you guys? already enrolling for the fall semester at full, planning on full capacity of 350 then? Well, we're in the middle of our enrollment cycle right now. And so we're talking to lots of new parents. We're re-enrolling our current families. We are a year-round school. So we're open through the summer with our older kids we have an academic year and then a separate summer program, like for those elementary children. But for our younger kids, infants, toddlers, primary, it's really, it's a Montessori program year round. And so some of those students, they're able to enroll at different times, not just right now. Uh, We have a lot of new students that are going to be joining us in June. And then, and then another big group of students that'll be joining us in the fall for the, for the next school year. Okay. Well, obviously, as we, we wrap this up, I always end with one final question or statement. So giving you an opportunity to share any encouragement or inspiration that you'd want to share with other school leaders that are tuning into the podcast. So what would you like to share with them? I feel like if we could survive these past two years with COVID, we can survive anything. <laughs> I, I know I, I was just at a conference, an education conference over the weekend, and I was talking to many heads of schools who were just talking about how difficult and exhausting this COVID pandemic has been. And I know everyone's tired, everyone's frustrated, everyone's you know, just getting burned out. But but my feeling is we're coming out of this. Hang in there. We've learned so much throughout this pandemic. And I can't think of any work that is more important than the work that we're doing. I totally agree. And I always we put typically I've been putting a plug there at the end of the podcast with it is genuine from my heart. Just thank you for for all you're doing and your teachers and everybody who is just pouring into that next generation. I am a huge fan of of you guys. You guys are heroes because you're doing stuff that like we've mentioned, there's not a lot of people that are, are wanting to do it, but there's a special people that are just putting their whole life and their their energy the resources into educating that next generation that's coming up behind us, they're our future. So I just thank you for loving on them and pouring into them and wishing you and your school, obviously, absolutely nothing but the best as you you get ready for this fall semester that's coming up here. And just thank you so much for giving up your time and being on the podcast today, Jennifer. Of course, it was my pleasure. And I have to say, if there's anybody out there that is listening, if anyone out there is listening who has considered going into education, but wondered, "Mm, I don't know, I encourage you to to consider becoming a teacher because, you know, maybe you won't get as rich as you would like, but there is nothing more satisfying than, than working with children. And so rewarding. I love it. And they could always reach out to your school there in Chicago if they're looking for maybe wanting to come on as, as a teacher, it looks like, huh? So, yeah, we're hiring assistants right now. And so check us out, Montessori Academy of Chicago on Randolph Street in the West Loop of Chicago. 
Love it. Jennifer, thank you so much again. So thank you. Well, a huge shout out and a thank you to Jennifer for taking time and being on the podcast today. I had a blast talking with her. We could have chatted for hours. And I just hope, as always, you guys were able to take at least one thing from that podcast. You can take it back to your school to make it better than it is right now. And I'm wishing Jennifer and her school nothing but the best as they continue to grow and educate that next generation that's coming behind us. But maybe you're listening and your school's struggling with enrollment right now, or you're struggling to find ways to connect better with families who are enrolled or are looking to enroll in your school, I would love to hear from you. You can check us out online, schoolsuccessmakers.com. That's schoolsuccessmakers.com. We've helped schools double enrollment before. We help them improve their ranking online. So when people are searching for a school, they're actually finding your school and not finding your competitors down the road. Your school is amazing. I know it is. I know you're proud of where you're at. Why not you know, advertise that and show people like, hey, we have an awesome school and you should be enrolled here We want to help you do that. So check us out, online, schoolsuccessmakers.com. Or if you're active on Facebook, we'd love you to join our free private Facebook community just for school leaders. It's called School Success Makers, private Facebook group just for you guys. So please go in there. I'm in there personally, so I'd love to see you guys in there on the Facebook group, School Success Makers. We'll see you in there, and we'll be here next week with another amazing guest as usual on the School Success Podcast. We'll see you then.